coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. This idea of whirlwind spirits, tornadoes or dust devils that are actually the spirits of the dead. Luring people to their doom. Right. You can see how people would start to build this lore around it because imagine you're out in the desert and you start hearing the babies crying, sounds of wolves howling, sounds of people arguing. People are being lured. Right. It sounds like something that would come right out of a skinwalker story from the Southwest. Yeah, it's gray, you know, no hair, wrinkly skin. Its eyes are there, but they're not reflecting. It's almost like they're not formed. It jumped 40 feet. Right. And then boom, into the forest. Weird story. Definitely strange. And Yeah, uh, that's something you would look at your friend and be like, did you just see that? What yeah. was that? What was that? There was a hiker walking around a corner in a trail, and there's a woman at her kitchen window, and she's looking out, and she sees the hiker walking, and then around the corner is this little blue orb coming around the other way. And then right as it comes around the corner, the orb opens up and swallows yeah. the hiker, and he disappears. She oh, saw, she saw that? the hiker get swallowed up. Yeah. Well, that's weird. That'd be hard to go outside ever again. Oh, uh, yeah, that. those blue, purple, people-eating portals. Creepy. 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 So it's a guy in a cloak riding a horse? Yeah. in the morning, that's weird. It would be creepy. 3.30 in the morning, and also, again, it's raining. Right. So storm, black thing coming out of the woods again. With a cloak on? With a cloak at 3.30 in the morning. Sounds like something for another time. I mean, yeah. You don't ride around at 3.30 in the morning on a horse nowadays. Very odd. It's just a weird thing seen on the road. Come on, Sally, it's time to take a ride. Sasquatch, homunculus, alien races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Like, Close the door, it. Jury, close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Corey Feldman, Magicians are demons, Specters, Spirits, spirits Sleep Paralysis, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic Catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Well, hello, listeners, believelings, friends. We are back with another episode deep from the hole. We're excited. I'm excited for this one. How have you guys been? How how is your week? Busy. Yeah? Really busy. Overwhelmed, but good. Good, though. (laughs) (laughs) Three terrible things. No, I mean, like... I like working a lot because I like what I do, but it's definitely, it was, this was a, this was a tough week. There was, were you making sounds with food products again? No, I was actually doing a series of, um, life after death videos. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It was actually pretty cool. Was it fodder for the hole? Uh, anything compelling? I mean, it's all just like, it's kind of heaven based. Okay. Um, so it's like stories, people's encounters. Yeah, just people's encounters. I mean, they did go into like hell. There was one video Ooh. on hell, but all the other ones were kind of positive experiences. Yeah. Yeah, those stories, yeah, they can stay light for me. They were really beautifully done. The imagery was was really oh, good. Cool. Oh, cool. That's nice. And it brought a little sparkle to my step. <laughs> a little. But it made me brain tired, though. It made me brain tired. <laughs> yeah, my week's been pretty good. But haven't, <laughs> I haven't, didn't care about that. You didn't ask me. But I want to tell you. Okay. It's, it's, but haven't got he's, a lot. Look, he's been planning this. <laughs> Still having the issues. What happened this? to you this week, Jeremy? Thank you for asking. Okay. Uh, so I've been having you know sleep issues a bit, uh, not getting a lot of it. But last night, while I was trying to sleep, after researching, I think I went to bed around four. And uh, I was starting to finally drift to sleep, and I felt the blanket that was across my shoulder as I was laying on my side start to lift. Oh, come uh, on. You know that feeling? You ever, I'm sure you've experienced Well, you do before. have a lover. She was on the other side. I've never had a blanket lift off of me. It wasn't like lifting into the air, but it was raising. Uh, like someone was, mm. could it have been your lack of sleep? But like, what, what, but, but, yeah, for sure it could have been that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> to make fun of my sleepy voice. But no, I, that feeling, I've had this, I've had this before. This happened to me where like, I feel like the blankets are slowly being pulled down. Right. Yeah. Down me while I'm, uh, while I'm sleeping. And I, and I usually feel like, oh, uh, this is okay. Like I'm not freaked out. Like I'm kind of curious about it and I never feel like a darkness. But last night, because I'd been researching skinwalkers oh, yeah. for this episode, and Ooh. a lot of it has to do with like 
curses and dreaming, then you look at them, they look back, you can't talk about them, that kind of thing. So like with the skinwalkers, it's, you know, rooted in Navajo lore and mythology mm-hmm. and they believe it's very real, a lot of them. And, uh, but it, a lot of it goes back to following you in your sleep and your dreams. Kind of like the, it's the idea that we talked about when you look into this dark stuff, it looks back. But in this scenario, it was the dreams. It was uh, it's like Freddy Krueger. Right. So I just had this darkness feeling in the back of my head. So when this happened to me this time, I was a little like saying a little prayer. And I was kind of <laughs> like, if you're good, if there's no darkness, like yeah, I'm kind of curious if it's going to keep lifting off to the point where I can look over and prove that it's moved six inches. But then part of me was like, if it's if it's bad, you can just go, you can stop. So I had a little trouble sleeping last night. But you're, you survived. You are Jeremy, right? You weren't replaced by a skinwalker. Most of me. Yeah. Since everyone's traveling right now traveling home for the holidays and stuff, we thought it would be cool to do an episode on stories of travelers, uh, weird encounters, unexplained phenomena that happens while you're on the road, while you're going from here to there. And that's kind of what we're going to be doing coming up. And I'll let you explain that in a second, Chris. But in the second half, in the expansion, if you guys sign up at Patreon, we're going to be getting into kind of the myth, the lore, and real encounters of skinwalkers out in the Southwest, which is a Navajo We tradition. did Skinwalker Ranch in the past, we right? We did, which is, in, I think, in Utah, and there's some connection to the skinwalker phenomenon, but that's that's a much broader paranormal right. experience. And Yeah, that's like a paranormal playground, Skinwalker Ranch. And I think some of the accounts that occurred at Skinwalker Ranch were Skinwalker-esque, which is how it got the name Skinwalker Ranch, but right. it's way more than that. Yeah. So I think what will be good to do, Chris, if you want to jump in, we can talk about some of your strange stories that you've discovered about travelers and mysterious experiences and encounters. And then as we head towards the end of the episode, then I'll give a little preview of the Skinwalker stuff and cool. and kind of break down that phenomenon a little more. Because that's always been really fascinating to me ever since we did Dogman. It's kind of a similar thing, but it has its different specific attributes that are rooted in Native American witchcraft. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because as I was trying to find some really good stories about travelers on the road and the strange experiences they've had, uh, it seems like a good majority of the stories out there, they happen to be skinwalker stories. Right. So I didn't cover a lot of those because then you were going into that in the second half, but I thought that was interesting. And themes kept coming up in my research that I felt like were coming up in your research. Mm -hmm. Like even the um, first story I'm going to do here, even though it takes place in the Gobi Desert in Asia, it relates to Navajo lore, which ties in later with your skinwalker. So it's just weird stuff going on. And a lot of my stories ended up around the desert. A lot yeah. of strange things. We always talked about the weirdness of the Southwest and we've all been through there. It's kind of desolate, mm-hmm. creepy, otherworldly feel. name of um, New Mexico? It's enchanted land or something. Land of enchantment. Land of enchantment. And yeah. it is. Definitely. It is a very, very strange place. Yeah. Arizona, known for its vortexes. Southern Utah, South Dakota, yeah. that whole area. Mm-hmm. Colorado. Yeah. Also a lot of like... In New Mexico and probably parts of Texas too, there's a lot of remote towns that Mm -hmm. have like drug problems. Oh yeah, a lot of weird, weird, weird people and situations, and yeah, (laughs) a fun place to go. Brian, if he's listening, we took a trip through there. Yeah, I remember that story. And oh yeah, we saw some strange things. We were afraid for our lives at a couple different points. (laughs) Yeah, well, and you also have that feeling of no help if you get into a situation. Yeah, it's just so remote and. You, you know, like a wormhole could open up at any second. Giants, right. thund- thunderbirds, pterodactyls. As you're being chased by some meth head drug dealers. It's just a strange <laughs> place. What a weird combo. Yeah, you're running away from drug it dealers. It sounds like a movie, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It does, or yeah. Maybe. I would hope that would happen, that I'd get rescued by some paranormal entity if I was being chased by meth heads. Or maybe we'd band together. Maybe like the meth addicts and me would fight against... Ooh, that's a oh, plot I twist. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then you bond and you realize like... The humans are all the same. Yeah. They're just, you know, damaged and, you know, you mm-hmm. can still relate to these people. And then they overcome their... Their, uh, their meth addiction. Yeah. Through the experience. The transformative experience of the Thunderbird encounter. Yeah. I like all it. All right. Screenplay started. Anyway, should we get into today's topic? Let's get into it, man. All right, for all you weary travelers out there. Headed home for the holidays. When I first started looking at this, I wanted to see if there were any historical accounts of people traveling and seeing strange things because, you know, there's a lot of stuff online. There's a lot of books out there, I think, with more modern accounts. And I feel like with historical accounts, there's more time to kind of vet and see the legitimacy of the stories. Right. Yeah, you think about like the trucker stories, like the hitchhikers on the road or the the woman that appears, the taxi driver picks them up and then looking back later, they're gone. Right, like urban legends. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone stuff. Hard to pin down some of the background to those. But you jumped deep into our history, right? Yeah, that's where I wanted to start. As I was looking for some historical accounts, I came across some work by Joe Wolf, and she's the resident researcher at the RSGS, which if you're not familiar, it's the Royal Scottish... Geographical Society. Joe Wolf. Yeah. Didn't she write uh, The Great Horizon? She did. 
I thought so. Yeah, because it's in the notes. Uh, yeah, there you go. Good. Congratulations, <laughs> Jeremy. She wrote The Great Horizon, and she has a blog, which we'll link in the notes. If you want to read a little bit more about some of these accounts, and a couple that I'm not going to read because we kind of know some of the stories, you know, I think one of the most famous expedition accounts, you have the reconnaissance mission of George Mallory and Eric Shipton, you know, the Shipton expedition. Nope. I do not know. Sir, what talking about. Those are the guys that went out and discovered the legend of oh, the Yeti. Uh, they have those great footprints. We talked Himalayas. Yeah. We touched on it on a previous episode. Maybe we'll do one deeper on that in the future, but yeah, they were out in the Tibetan plateau Everest member. Oh no. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Another person she mentioned was Mary Kingsley, late 1800s. It's a really cool story, which I might touch on when we do more of an orb story. It ties right into some phenomenon at Skinwalker Ranch. So it was fascinating. Of course, yes. The blue orbs. We need to cover that. Some right. Because it was late 1800s. She's in these African swamps and you have these orbs coming out of the jungle. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Why don't you cover that now? Do it now. Scrap everything you've researched. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, I, can okay. t- I can tell you briefly. I'm just surprised you didn't touch on that because it sounds, it just has some vivid imagery. Well, John, you probably remember the blue orb uh, in uh, Skinwalker Ranch when we did that episode. Mm-hmm. There was the one that went over the the dogs and ended up melting them. Oh, yeah, it was a really sad, sad story. And then there's one, I think the Bigfoot creature, whatever it was with no neck, crawled out of that orb in the sky. And I heard an account recently from a, a guard that worked at Skinwalker Ranch, how he saw these blue orbs multiple occasions and they were moving against the wind. You know, they right. were dust particles. And it just reminds me of that story story that I always forget where it came from, maybe New Zealand or Australia, where there was like a hiker walking around a corner in a trail and there's a woman at her kitchen window, her like uh, cabin or whatever. And she's looking out and she sees the hiker walking. And then around the corner is this little blue orb coming around the other way to meet the hiker as they go around the bend. And then right as it comes around the corner, the orb opens up and swallows yeah. the hiker and he disappears. Does that explain some of the four and one accounts? The missing wait, wait. How, did, how do you know that happened? It was a, uh, a report written by this person. I mean, it's a story, you know. But no one was there to actually account for that. It was right? the woman who was watching from her kitchen window. She, oh, saw, she saw that the hiker gets swallowed up. Oh, yeah. Well, that's weird. That'd be hard to go outside ever again. Oh, uh, yeah. That. Those blue, purple people eating portals. I wonder what happened to him. Do you think he was food or do you think he got transported? That's somewhere? a great question. There's no way to know. Unless we try it ourselves. Now I wish I had done the story on the... Hey, we'll save that for next time. Mary Kingsley. Yeah, I mean, I can briefly tell you her experience when she was in the African swamps in the late 1800s, and she saw these blue orbs come out of the jungle, and they're dipping into the water in front of her, and all of her native guides are terrified, calling them the blue devils. Right. They take people. Just like the story... Dipping into the water? Yeah, like dipping down into the river. She's on a canoe, and these things are coming out of the jungle and dipping into the water in front of her. That's really strange. Just staying a little ahead of them, and they're like, we can't go that direct. Those are... that's before technology would have even been oh, possible. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In a situation, unless there's you know hidden ancient technology, right? Right. Don't I mean, you don't, Tartarian technology. I mean, incandescent light bulbs were like a brand new invention at this point, mm-hmm. in the late 1800s. But I like her spirit though, because she said like she wasn't afraid of these blue devil type things. All she could think was she had all these friends back home that were scientists. She's like, if I could just get a specimen for her friends back yeah. home, you're gonna <laughs> snatch a blue devil orb. as it <laughs> snatches your finger right off. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, it's interesting. It does relate to a lot of those stories. Um, So we should do an episode down the road on that. But today's story is focused on the work of Mildred Pierce. Mm. And she was a missionary also in the early 1900s, like 1923. So this excerpt I'm about to read comes from Joe Wolf's book, The Great Horizon. Okay. So that's where a lot of these stories come from. All right. We'll link that in the show notes, guys, so you you can read more of these stories. Oh, and there is a little bit of dialogue in here, guys. So you read green dialogue, Jeremy? Okay. Um, who am I doing? You're doing blue. You're going to be and blue what, what throughout kind the whole thing. What person is it? Okay. Oh yeah. That's a good question. So. <laughs> Gotta have a good accent. You will be the driver or her camel driver. Okay. So he's going to be like a Middle Eastern. Oh God. You no, know, it's China. It's the Gobi Desert. So John, you could probably just sound kind of mysterious, you know. All right. You ready? Let's do it. Here we go. In 1923, when Mildred Cable first set out into the vastness of the Gobi Desert, her mind was focused firmly on the task that lay ahead of her. She was a missionary, and she intended to spread the word of the Gospels among the remote and scattered villages of northwest China. All kinds of dangers lurked on the horizon. Quite apart from the excruciating heat, tyrannical warlords tended to greet unexpected guests with summary execution. That much Mildred already knew. She was not, however, expecting to find hazards of a less tangible nature. Dust spouts rose from the desert floor, sometimes in ones and twos, and sometimes in such numbers that the air seemed alive with them, whirling all around the little caravan like a demonic horde. Mildred's caravan driver, or Bash, told her that these dust spouts were known to desert dwellers as quay, tortured spirits who covered their fleshless forms with sand as they roamed the desert in search of a human body to possess. 
Then there were the voices. Mildred was alarmed when she first heard them. The following is an account from The Gobi Desert by Mildred Cable. Halt! I said. There is someone calling. There is no one calling, said the bash. And there is no reason to halt. Cannot you hear? I persisted. Someone is calling from among the dunes. Never listen to those voices, he replied. It is not a man's cry, and those who go after it may never come back to the caravan. Ignoring Mildred's protests, the caravan leader urged the camels away from the sound. It was only later, when he had assured himself of their safety, that he spoke again. He had gotten lost one night, he explained, and he had heard the voices and followed them. The moon rose, and he could see there were no camel tracks in the sand. Terrified, he turned around immediately and retraced his steps. To the people of the Loeb Desert, he told Mildred, the voices were known as Asgun. They would lead people to waterless places where they would perish. Yeah, so, uh, creepy. Yeah, so she's hearing voices off in the distance. Apparently this is a pretty common phenomenon, still to this day. It's supposed to, so it's these, what, whirling, say, made of dust? Dust? Yeah, basically. Spirits? I'm pic- picture, like, dust devils out in the desert, luring people to, to their doom. It reminds me of, like, Will of the Wisps, right? Yeah, very much so. And there's a story at the end of this episode that I'm going to touch on that's extremely luring in is one of the best stories I've heard, but we'll get, we'll get to that one. What's interesting about this is, you know, this is a phenomenon that still occurs today. You can still go to the Gobi Desert today mm-hmm. and hear this. In fact, there's a place in the Gobi Desert that's known as Demon City or Ghost City. Couldn't that be just a natural... Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of the argument. Like a mirage almost. Right. Like the wind howling in the An distance. auditory mirage. And it's so barren out there, I'm sure. But I like, I like the idea that it's actual spirits. It's better. a cool story. Obviously, like the, the culture out there has believed for centuries that it, they're basically spirits of the dead mm-hmm. that are lost and they want to suck people in. They're like the damned spirits. Right. And they want to lure you into basically die of dehydration in the desert, you know? So they mm. just keep collecting, growing their communities. I wonder if there's anything to it. I mean, you know, we live in a weird world and obviously we discuss these topics. There may be some validity to them. Yeah. I mean, definitely like you can bring up scientific explanations that are, you know, practical and logical, but we definitely do that far too often where we just immediately, this culture is wrong. Our Western ideas are right about science. For example, there are these structures out there in the Gobi Desert called Yadin landforms or Yadin landforms, Uh but they're these giant structures that have been worn down by, you know, centuries of time and wind. And they're very unique to this area though. And, uh, but also attaches even more to that lore about these sort of sand spirits is that these things happen to form themselves into what look like handmade abandoned towns oh, where weird. lost souls would go. So these natural formations, almost like they're generated by the energy of these sand spirits to maybe live among these, these rock right. towns. That's, that's oh, kind of what I was kind of putting together. Go back for a second. You're saying that what are these being formed? They're just like sand dunes? No, no. They're, they're like rock like sculptures. Rock. Oh, Formed okay. by the winds. So like the, okay, okay. the scientific argument is these winds come from these strange right. shapes. That, but they look almost like towns? Yeah, like towns, uh, old houses. You have any photos of that? Movie theater. Uh, um, oh, we'll put some in. We'll, <laughs> yeah, Cinemark. <laughs> ghost theater. Um, we'll put some in the show notes for That's sure. That's interesting though. I mean, again, like totally could be, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? You know, people account. It's definitely the chicken. Even the Asgoon need a place to live. You That's know? right. Lay your head at night. Rent free. Why not a rock formation? That yeah. Shaped to your desires. That's it. Uh, yeah, I would like to see some pictures. I mean, so th- they look like towns? Yeah, I mean, it's it depends on who's looking, I think, for some people. Well, it's like obviously just, yeah, what would I look? What would one look up to find something like here, I can look it up here, John, so you can see. Okay. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Type in Demon City, Gobi Desert, but they give this eerie appearance of, you know, abandoned towns, depending on if oh, cool. what you see when you're looking at them. They do look like, like almost like, uh, find a good one. <laughs> Some of them look more like towns than right others. Right, that. That looks like it could be a city. Yeah. Right, the, especially cool. with like shadow play and the that's demon city, demon city or ghost city. Um, different names for it. What is Mogui Chang? That's the um, Mogui. The actual term for the the region. Oh, so this is where is this? This is in the Gobi Desert. Oh, I said this like three times. Well, I didn't know China. There's a lot of information to absorb. I know. I know. Oh, look at that one. Oh yeah, right there. That's a great one. 
We'll put that in the show notes. Oh, yeah. It kind of almost looks like a Pueblo village. Wow, that looks pretty compelling. I think what is so compelling to people when they see some of these Weird. places out there yeah. is that they look in that vast landscape of rolling nothingness. Mm-hmm. Then you have these what almost look like... That looks almost like ancient architecture. Right. If you were a traveler, I could see you being like, I need a place to camp out. That's where I'm going. It looks like there's plenty of places I could... And you then know. they go there and they never leave. Asgoon eats them. Whether there is legitimacy <laughs> to this or not, you can see how people would start to build this lore around because imagine you're out in the desert and you start hearing benign things that you wouldn't think would be heard in nature, but sounds of plucked guitar strings, sounds of bells, and then things way more creepy like sounds of babies crying, sounds of wolves howling, sounds of people arguing. And that's what brings these people out to this, you know, devil city, right? Where they die. So people have died in this place? Yeah. I mean, I think less now with technology, but over the years, yeah. Litters of that, I mean, that's how the lore got built up when, you know, her guide is telling her about, you know, you can't listen to these these voices. Right. Because they'll take you out and they'll take you out. That's creepy. Yeah. It is like a siren. You hear those, you know, those stories are everywhere. Those The idea of something luring you, right. you know, into the darkness to maybe be fed on maybe your energy, your maybe adrenochrome. Your, maybe your body. Maybe everything. Maybe every little bit. Uh, one quick point of fact I wanted to make was that... uh this ties into a lot of lore around the world. So I think that's another thing that gives these kinds of ideas legitimacy is when you have ancient cultures um, with similar, very specific ideas. This idea of whirlwind spirits, you know, tornadoes or dust devils that are actually the spirits of the dead that are going to cause harm. And I quickly want to read just real quick a little bit about the Navajo connection. The Navajo religious belief, a chindi is the ghost left behind after a person dies believed to leave the body with the deceased's last breath. It is everything that was bad about the person, the, quote, residue that man has been unable to bring into universal harmony. Traditional Navajo believe that contact with a chindi can cause illness or ghost sickness and death. Chindi are believed to linger around the deceased bones or possessions, so possessions are often destroyed after death and contact with the bodies is avoided. After death, the deceased's name is never spoken, for fear that the chindi will hear and come and make one ill. Traditional Navajo practice is to allow death to occur outdoors, to allow the chindi to disperse. If a person dies in a house or hogan, that building is believed to be inhabited by the chindi and is abandoned. Interesting. Hmm. So this is a correlation with the Navajo that has a similar kind of asgoon, right? Right. The same kind of idea, like this residual negative energy left over. And I like the way that the Navajo say it, that it's the energy that can't be put into universal harmony. So it resides maybe separately from the other part of the soul. Is that kind of the idea? Yes. But the reason why I thought it was fascinating is because I don't know if I read it there in that section, but they're described as being small whirlwinds. That's the connection. Ah, yeah. This dust devil spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just thought that was an interesting tie-in. Right. Well, especially because of the description. Yeah. The whirlwind. And I had my very first when I was young, and who knows what this was, but I still can visually see this in my mind. My very first, quote, paranormal sort of experience was on our house on Stonewood. And I was laying on the couch. How old were you? Probably like five. Really young. It's one of my first memories. And I look over, something catches my eye above the kitchen table. And above the kitchen table is this slowly rotating grayish white tornado shaped cloud. What? Yeah. This was the very I remember this. first. You remember this? Mm-hmm. And I remember like. What do you mean you remember this? You remember him telling you? Yeah, I remember yeah. the story. Because this was a thing. I can't uh, independently verify his story. <laughs> okay. I don't remember. I didn't know if he was like, Jeremy, <laughs> quick, there's a rotating cloud dust above the microwave. Well, we talked about it. You know, me and my <laughs> friends got together. We talked about it. And we're young, so we're like, it's probably, you know, a Native American chief chief tornado we're just coming up with chief ideas tornado. but you know so young and i always look back and it's like was this really anything chief tornado way to cheapen the indian culture well, i was five I'm but joking. with a terrible everything name. was a stereotype at five anyway um but back then there weren't resources like the internet things like this i remember going to like the local library and trying to find things on you know whirlwind ghosts and i could never find anything when you were and five or no, I, yeah, later. Later, later on, okay. a couple years later. Um, I was advanced. Maybe I was six. I don't know. I was very young, but I remember not being able to find anything. And, you know, over the years, I've always remembered this, but I never heard about a specific thing like this until researching for this episode. And I was like, man, that sounds just like my very, one of my earliest memories, honestly, that I can still remember. That's really interesting because you didn't have any knowledge of any Native American lore at that time. You were right. just a kid, but it's funny because we're going to cover some Navajo lore in the next part in the, in the expansion on our Patreon portion. But, uh, one of the stories I didn't cover was about a curse. And one of the 
things that happen towards the end of the story when the guy gets the curse resolved from the help of some Navajo tribal leaders is uh, as he's leaving, he's driving down this road and uh, in this low-lying cloud forms in front of him, a white cloud, and then contorts into the shape of a gigantic white buffalo. Oh, the white buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And it was just weird because that just kind of reminded me, you know, if that story is true, it just reminded me of, you know, the twisting of wind yeah. and cloud and forming into something. I mean, who knows? Mine could have been like some, you know, my brain's still developing at six years old. That's a lot of, you know, things still going developing on at 35. It's, it's always developing. Maybe it was just more open, could see more clearly. The, uh, that was meant as an insult, but I think it was kind of a, actually a, bon- a bonus. Usually when you look at me and smile a little bit, I'm expecting an <laughs> insult. So, I, you know, if it doesn't come off well, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should probably take a quick break. Thanks, guys, everyone who's written in so far, everyone who's Yeah, we got a couple new up. patrons after the last release, so we welcome you guys aboard and looking forward to having you be in the expansion. Yeah, hope you enjoy the expansion extra I like content. That. I think that's a good name for it, Beliefful Expansion. I dig it. it it's hard to not say booster pack. <laughs> <laughs> get the extra playing cards. Sounds like vaccines to me. Get all your shots. Ouch. All right, guys, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into some more creepy encounters on the road. Yeah, got a lot to do. Strange travels. Buckle up. We still got a ways to go, don't yeah. we? Okay. Hang in there. All right, we'll see you soon. Welcome back, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed your break. Now we're going to get into the story of the wingless wolfman, right, Chris? Yeah, but before we do, I thought we could um, briefly touch on Maddie's story. We had a listener who kind of uh, springboarded our idea into this. Um, she has a family experience of a strange side road creature, Something right? seen on the roadside that's inexplicable. And I love this story just because it's a bizarre encounter. I love the really weird, fringy things that are witnessed that don't really fit into, you know, the normal. Right. This has the feel of kind of like a mothman or winged creature and yet not at the same time. So this is for Maddie. The story has been told outside of my family, mostly because it seems pretty unbelievable to most people. This is an experience my mom and younger sister had about two months ago in Lebanon, Ohio. I'll try to tell it as best I can. It was late, maybe 11, 11.30, There was a lightning storm going on and it was pouring rain. My mom described it as a very electric sort of feeling. She said the energy was very different. They were taking back roads to get home from my grandparents. It's a route we've all driven numerous times. So it's dark and it's pouring rain. And at this point, my sister was, in her own words, mesmerized by a set of glowing eyes caught by the headlights. At this same moment, my mom became fixated on what she describes as about seven feet tall and oil slick black with long draped feathers that reached to the ground. She said its feathers were similar to an ostrich, but long, touching the ground and flaring out. I am fairly certain that there are no ostriches in Lebanon. She said this encounter happened in a flash, too brief to get a good look, although the thing was motionless. She looked to the road and back, but it was gone in a split second. My sister refused to let her stop to turn around. After getting home, she searched all over online, trying to find anything she could about what it may have been. It's so weird because it just reminds me of the other, um, the speak pipe we had from, I think it was Cat, about the giant dog in the middle of the road. No, that was uh, Anna, I think. Anna, Anna and the giant dog in the middle of the road. And again, with the lightning storm pouring down rain, just a weird... That electric feeling, like that Oz effect. Maybe there's something going on, something uh, trans-dimensional. Something coming Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Yeah, with the extra energy of the... Like when Arnold Schwarzenegger comes into our time, (laughs) or in the 80s. There's always a lightning strike. And there's a lightning strike. Oh, Terminator. Naked, though. Great movie reference, Chris. Thanks. Um, 
Yeah, great imagery though, that oil slick black feathers reaching down to the ground and flaring out this just tall creature with glowing eyes, seven feet tall. I mean, that, you hear that too, yeah. like these giant figures, you know, they always seem to be seven to eight to 10 feet tall. Yeah. And almost always black. They're black with glowing eyes and, but seem to take different animal shapes. Yeah. It's just strange. And always in a storm. Yeah. Weird. So she sent a link that had a little bit of follow-up from uh, another encounter that I guess her mom had found online. Um, and this also takes place in Lebanon, Ohio. And that's the cool that she found something so close and it's pretty similar. This is the follow-up and we'll link this in the show notes too. I saw an article about a large black-winged creature that flew without flapping its wings, and I have seen something like that before. It was at my old house. I no longer live there and don't know if it would still be around, but what I saw only came around at night. It was huge and blacker than the night sky. It never really moved, but when I looked away and back again, it would be gone. I'm also very convinced I saw a shadow person while I still lived at the old house, though it was only once and I haven't seen one before or since that incident. It just walked like a normal person, but as it moved, it gave off black smoke. It had no eyes that I could see. I live in Ohio. Oh, so this person lived in Ohio as well. Yeah, so this is, I think they actually referenced Lebanon here. So I can't remember the dates very well, but it was less than a year ago. I'd say around September, October of 2018 is when I saw the black winged figure for the last time. I moved in December though, so I have no idea if it would still be there. As for the location, Navajo Drive in Lebanon, Ohio. Weird. My old neighborhood had a small creek that ran through the backyards. It divided the houses and gave privacy because there was no trees. What I saw was a big black bat, but it didn't really have any defining features. It was like a silhouette of a bat. It didn't move at all. No flapping its wings, nothing about this thing moved. But the second I took my eyes off it, it was gone. That's exactly like her story where it didn't move. It was stationary on the side of the road. And right when they looked back, it was gone. It's like a shadow person bat. Yeah. That's so weird, man. Like I know we talked the synchronicity thing to death, but this one is just so bizarre. Like I'm researching and my research just brings me to this lore of the Navajo culture. Your stuff winds up taking you to Navajo culture. Skinwalkers. And then the, the street that this person lives on with this account, the street's name is Navajo. Navajo oh, wow. Drive. While, while we're crazy. doing the episode, it's just bizarre. We, we got to do an episode on synchronicity sometime. Yeah. I feel like synchronicities want us to do an episode. I know. <laughs> it's been telling us for a while. Yeah. But we just don't listen. Anyways, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, it was an interesting story, especially with the corroboration. The corroboration. I hate that word. (laughs) It's hard to say. Um, Yeah, great story. I mean, that just proves that there's something out there. Yeah, especially with that related incident in the same area. I mean, it's hard to imagine both those people just made that up in their imaginations. Right. Maybe there's a thinny there, a a portal of some kind. That's kind of terrifying. Seven feet tall. Yeah, that would be terrifying. I mean, there's no animal that an ostrich... I mean, in that's really Lebanon, like, Ohio. Are they seven? I feet? mean, it's not the. Mm, it's yeah. not impossible that there's an, an escape, ostrich yeah. could be in that. Right. The other one sounded like it, they described it as like a big black bat, but but a bat is kind of a bird, right? I mean, if the wings didn't move, were the wings wrapped around it? You know, like the biggest bat is what like a sixteen inches tall. Like they're not the fruit bat. I think fruit is, bats are, can be pretty big. Yeah, but, but not, not that seven tall. feet. No. <laughs> they didn't usually stand upright on the sides of roads in Ohio. Yeah, during a rainstorm. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah, that fit right into our topic today. Well, that's actually what inspired the topic. So thank you, Maddie, for that. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, what's your next story we got here, Chris? So the next story I have, I think is going to tie in well to your topic coming up in the expansion. This story was collected by Stan Gordon. And if his name sounds familiar, it's because he's a well-known Fordian researcher, ufologist. He's been doing on-site investigations since the 1960s. And this particular account um, I found really interesting. And what I like about his reports is that even though he doesn't use people's names in the reports, he's a respected guy in the field. So you can take his story to the bank, at least that the person reporting the account is a real person. Whether or not you want to believe the person reporting the account is another matter, but that's up to the listener, I suppose. But this was an excellent account I came across. Okay, so this is called the Wingless Wolfman. I mean, you know, I, these are just titles I put in. I was there. gonna say, aren't aren't most wolfmen wingless? I don't hear a lot of accounts <laughs> You'd of think wolfmen. so, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, right. You'd yeah, think. Good title, Chris. Well, you'll you'll hear why. It's like the Fat Santa Claus. So this account by Stan Gordon was taken on November twentieth, two thousand eleven, um, and he calls it the creature of Mud Creek Road, and takes place in Troy, Pennsylvania. On April 11, 2012, I received a call from the man who, along with his girlfriend, had a frightening encounter with a strange creature outside of Troy in Bradford County, Pennsylvania. The fellow told me that what they saw, quote, scared the hell out of us. After conducting extensive interviews with the driver and his girlfriend, I learned the following details. 
At about 11.05 p.m. on the night in question, the two were driving onto Mud Creek Road traveling west towards Highway 14. As they continued down the dark road, their attention was drawn to the left side of the roadway. The man who was the driver saw some movement and mentioned it to his girlfriend. The woman initially thought that a naked man was crawling on the side of the road. The driver decreased his speed, swerved his truck into the middle of the road, and directed the high beams of his headlights towards the subject. The driver stopped about 30 to 40 feet away. They soon realized that this was not a person, but instead a creature that was crawling very low to the ground. As they watched, the creature moved into a squatting position with its back completely straight, somewhat like the stance of a kangaroo. The arms of the creature were held tightly to its body. What looked like long claws that resembled the talons of an eagle were easily visible. The claws were estimated to be about eight to 10 inches in length and one claw was shorter than the other three. The creature had a muscular body. The head of a beast appeared to be oversized and shaped like that of a wolf. At the top of its head were two pointed bat-like ears that looked to be about four to six inches long. The entire creature, according to the man, was covered with a dull wrinkly black skin and the man described seeing large canine-like teeth in its mouth. The eyes of the creature were about the size of a silver dollar and were shiny black. The man stated that even though he had his high beams directed at the creature, the eyes did not reflect at all. Creepy. Furthermore, he explained as he looked over the body that for some reason he thought the creature should have wings, but none were apparent. Hmm. As the couple watched in amazement, the creature began to stretch its body. At this point, the animal started to stand up on its back legs while bringing its front feet down onto the pavement. The driver said that in this position, the creature seemed to be about six to seven feet tall, stretching from off the edge of the road to two feet past the center line. The creature then turned its head to the right and looked towards the vehicle. The driver told me that it looked directly at them with a horrific expression, like it was panicked. Then it took in a deep breath he had the feeling that the creature didn't realize it was being observed, and when it realized it was, it responded as if it had been caught in the middle of something. Once it realized it was being observed, it leaned back slightly and then reached forward with its claws. The creature then took one tremendous leap and cleared a seven-foot embankment and moved out of sight into a wooded area. The man estimated that the leap was about 40 feet long. What? Suddenly, just a moment after the creature was gone from sight, something else odd occurred. A large bird, possibly an owl, suddenly rushed at the passenger side window, almost hitting the glass, then took off and did not return. It happened so fast they were unsure if it was an owl or not. The witnesses indicated that this creature appeared to be changing form. The driver said, quote, its shape was nothing like when it was squatted. The woman stated to me that it, quote, shaped into another form. She estimated that when it was leaping into the woods, she thought it stood about nine feet tall. The woman, while reluctant to say it, said, quote, I think it was a man changing into a werewolf. Weird. The man, after the experience, went onto the internet to try to figure out what he saw and told me that the closest way he could describe the creature would be a gargoyle with no wings. The man commented, quote, I will never forget what we saw that night. That sounds like a shapeshifter. Definitely sounds pretty unbelievable, unless you're there in that moment, I would imagine. It sounds like something that would come right out of a, a Skinwalker story from the Southwest. Yeah. You well, know, yeah, looking back on the story, and that's why- it jumped I, 40 feet? According to this, you know- That's it, like raptor jumping about. Right. Well, and, and that's the other thing is like- <laughs> it's Raptors. Clever girl. At first, it's gray and like, you know, no hair and wrinkly skin. Its eyes are there, but they're- they're not reflecting. It's almost like they're not formed. It's caught mid mid transformation. Yeah. Once I started thinking shapeshifter, I started like looking back at the the account and realizing like, yeah, there are these aspects to it where it's like it would be a mid sort of. And I love that line where the witness said it didn't notice us, and all of a sudden, when it realized we were there, mm -hmm. it was like it was caught in the middle of something. Yeah. It's interrupted. Just that's creepy in my mind. Like whenever you come across an animal, you see it before it sees you, and you realize, you know, that moment. You know, where like yeah. it's distracted by some a metamorphosis, maybe it's right. distracted by its own changing, wasn't expecting to be there in that moment. And then boom, into the forest. You yeah. Know. That's, Interesting. I mean, that's what you should have titled it. Shapeshifter interrupted. But yeah, we'll hear in the expansion 
the Patreon section of our episode, there's a story a lot like that. I mean, a lot of these stories are, it's misshapen. It looks kind of like a wolf, kind of like a coyote, but there is a misshapen attribute to it that's yeah. not quite right that, you know, like it's in mid-transition or they just can't get it quite right. And that's typical in the Native American lore, right? And that's not just Navajo, it's several tribes, right? Well, it's weird that this takes place in Pennsylvania, you know, and I, but most of the shapeshifter from what I've looked at comes from the Navajo. Right. In that Southwest area. Well, and, and who knows if this happened? I mean, I think it's a great story. And I, I know Stan Gordon's a respected guy. As far as the person reporting the account, we unfortunately don't have his account to listen right. to and judge ourselves. But in the second half, we will have an account. But the reason I left in that part about the bird coming at the vehicle, the only reason I left that part in is because it ties right into the next story, which I was really hoping, John, you would read. It's short. Yeah, I can it's, do that. Uh, there's a great site called the Truckers Report. And one of the forms that was started was, uh, do you guys believe in the supernatural? Have you ever seen oh, anything cool. out there when you're driving the highways? You know, have you ever seen anything? Specifically trucker stories. Yeah, so it's not just any random Reddit kind of thing. That's kind of typically what I think about. Just I have that kind of on the highway with the right. trucker because they're just constantly driving. Exactly, yeah. Just so much. And I feel like that's the sort of space where you know, you really kind of start to detach from reality almost just yeah. because of the long hours and you're just kind of in that zone. Right. So if anyone's going to have those kind of experiences, it's going to be truckers. Yeah. Any, any truckers out there listening? You know, sometimes I wish we had a live radio show because I'd love Collins. Yeah. But any truckers out there listening, you got any crazy stories? Anytime you want to send in crazy stories, you know, on the highway or, or, you know, in your bathroom. Or if you're a taxi driver or a plumber. Right. Send them in. Bus yep. driver. We do not discriminate against... Uh, all professions. Type, professions of listeners. But John, yeah, if you want to read this one. This is uh, Owl Attack? Owl Attack. And uh, yeah. Should I do it like a Southern do a little, Yeah. Give it a little Southern draw. I think this guy definitely has he's got a Southern sort of right. tone in his text. During the summer of 2009, I was doing a graveyard shift of tomato hauls. It all started with an owl coming down on my hood, and it just stood there, and it turned its head at me and wouldn't move. I honked the horn, and it flew away. The next day I was driving down a two-lane road with my windows halfway down, and out of nowhere this owl hits my driver door, hard. His body was halfway in my truck, and it screamed like a chick would. I almost rolled the truck over. Luckily there was no oncoming traffic. About two days later I'm still thinking about what's been happening, and I'm eating a burrito with my door open, and I looked up just cuz. And there was this owl coming right at my face. It opened up its wings and put its claws out, slowing down, coming right at me. Holy guacamole! I tossed that burrito and jumped into the passenger seat, barely closing the driver door, and I heard his claws as they scratched the top side of the door. I've never been so scared by an animal in all my life. Now I dread owls. Why were they after me? I heard that evil spirits take shape of owls. Now I'm scared again. <laughs> <laughs> scared again. And it ends with pound, 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 dot, dot, dot. Ooh. Oh, I don't know what that means. I, maybe expletive, like a swear maybe word. Maybe he's so passionate he's pounding his armchair. <laughs> uh, that was well done, John. Yeah. Thanks. It's funny. Owls are, I mean, you hear owls and all kinds of lore, but that is one of the animals that gets noted as what shapeshifters, especially from the Navajo. And I'm not an expert, obviously. Right. And who but knows? from what I looked into, there's mostly coyotes, wolves, ravens, and owls. That's kind right. of the... Night predators. And this might not even be paranormal. It's just, it was funny because it's about this constant barrage of owl attacks through his week. This guy has something about him. Driving. Owls that want. is weird. Yeah. It'd be interesting if he's going through the same area. Yeah. And it's like there's something, some protective owl spirit. I just thought it was funny because it kind of correlated with the previous story where at the end, like totally separate from their whole encounter with the shapeshifter thing that bounds off into the forest and then an owl yeah. flies at their car. Just a weird connection. Yeah. Yeah, so good story. Thank you for reading that, John. Sure. Yeah. Supernatural or not, it was fun. It was fun. I had a good time. <laughs> Jer, if you want to read one, uh, this is also from the truckersreport.com. And this one I thought was pretty cool. Um, again, elements of the supernatural, maybe. Definitely a strange experience. Okay. I was driving to work around 3.30 in the morning on a back road in Mississippi near the, near the Louisiana line. I was probably going about 35 or so, as it was raining and the road is winding with no lines or anything. It's dangerous enough in daylight under normal conditions. Anyway, I'm driving along and suddenly, this jet black horse just flies out of the woods on a side trail. There was a rider decked out in a black cloak with a hood and everything. The horse must have been blasting at full speed, and the rider's cloak was just whipping in the wind. They must have ran for a quarter mile or so and then darted off down another side trail and disappeared into the darkness. The buddy was riding with me and I looked over at him and he looked over at me and we both said something along the lines of, did you fucking see that? 
That was weird. <laughs> you added that last part. Uh, okay. That- so it's a rider. It's a guy in a cloak riding a horse. Yeah. In, at night. So three thirty in the morning. That's weird. It would be creepy. Three thirty in the morning, and also again, it's raining. Right. So that's a storm, weird. black thing coming out of the woods again. This with time a it's a cloak on. With a yeah. cloak at three thirty in the sounds morning. like something from another time. I mean, yeah, that's like the ghost like of Paul Revere. You don't, or something. yeah, you don't ride around at three thirty in the morning on a horse. Right. Where did this take place? Does it it, say? Was it an Amish country? Mississippi line, Louisiana line in Mississippi. Yeah. Maybe it was uh, like a, a Civil War reenactor, just like really impassioned or on drugs. <laughs> in all black, though. Well, that's a good color. Slimming. Uh, slimming. That is weird, though. Weird story. Definitely uh, definitely strange. And Yeah, uh, that's something you would look at your friend and say, did you fucking see that? What yeah. was that? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's another trucker report, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing. They got to like, see a lot of weird stuff. These are there. coming from, uh, this is just a message board for truckers, by truckers. Um, <laughs> for truckers, by truckers. So, and sure, some of them might just, maybe they're just writing fiction, you know, for fun or whatever. But it's not, to me, it doesn't come across that way. It's not the sort of site where you would just put creepypasta kind of right, stuff. Right, right. It's very specific to a, an occupation. Yeah, it's not no sleep on Reddit. It's right. Creepy and a, a lot of, most of the responses are like, you know. Um, I've seen weird stuff too. Right, yeah, and they don't get into it. And again, like this this isn't super out there. It's just weird enough to make it seem kind of believable. And that's one of the keys too, is it's not overly wordy right. or descriptive. It kind of just says what happens without trying to be like a writer where you're, you know, creating a story. Mm-hmm. It's more like this is what I saw. Yeah, it's like a paragraph long. Yeah, it has a little more authenticity than right. some of those stories. Yeah, and if you were going to make up a story, like that's not compelling enough You'd to make You'd have flaming eyes like or- Something. Yeah. It's yeah. just, just bizarre enough to be like on the verge of reality, you know? I mean, it's it, it's not outside of the bounds of physical reality, right. but it's just odd. Very odd. Yeah, it's just a weird thing sitting on the road. Come on, Sally, it's time to take a ride. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's raining. <laughs> now that all these stories are collected in front of me and we're going through these, now that we're having these discussions, I'm starting to see this pattern, you know, the storm, the black figures, the right. always, you know, late night, two, three in the morning. Um, just interesting connections, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, that was good. I think that should bring us up to our next break here. And then we can come back and finish up your stories and then get into a little bit of a Skinwalker right. Skinwalker preview and lore before we get into the expansion. Absolutely. All right, guys, stick around. Drive safe. Hey, everybody. I'm about to play a clip from this week's Patreon episode. So if you want to get double the episodes, every time we release a show, we release one of these beautiful Patreon episodes. So go on over to beliefhold.com, click the Patreon button, sign up for five bucks a month. You won't regret it. Not only does it help us keep the show going, but it keeps your mind stimulated and your brain juices going. Now check out this clip from our Patreon episode this week. It covers the mystery and lore surrounding skinwalkers. It's definitely one of our best shows. You guys won't want to miss it. Head over to beliefhold.com and sign up to be a patron today. I was always fascinated with this idea. And initially I thought like, because the descriptions are like werewolfish, right? Like you have this man like bipedal man-shaped kind of creature, usually with a, a wolf or coyote head, dog head. But there's a major distinction between what people would witness as a, as a dog man versus a, a skinwalker, despite the physical characteristics, um, the transformation and where these things come from. So I'm gonna read a brief description here about the, uh, and this is corroborated from my other research and from other areas and the book that I'm gonna reference later. But this specific reading is just a good summary and this comes from uh, navajolegends.org. The Navajo skinwalker legend is one of the more complex and terrifying stories steeped in mystery and evil intent. Many Navajos believe firmly in the existence of skinwalkers and refuse to discuss them publicly for fear of retribution. They believe skinwalkers walk freely among the tribe and secretly transform under the cover of night. The term yi naldushi literally translates to with it he goes on all fours. According to Navajo legend, a skinwalker is a medicine man, or witch, who has attained the highest level of priesthood in the tribe, but chooses to use his or her power for evil by taking the form of an animal to inflict pain and suffering on others. 
And this is one thing I heard corroborated by Corey Daniels, who's a researcher. He lives in Arizona, um, but he goes deep into the Skinwalker topic and everything. And he had an experience too, where he talked uh, with a local medicine man, an elder, and they were discussing it, which you couldn't discuss, but I guess he owned a gas station. So he would like give away beer to people like just want to hang out. I want to go to that gas station. Guys, we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a good break. We're here at the final installment of our first part of our episode today before we get into the expansion. Yeah, if, if you want a whole other episode and this one wasn't enough for you today, go ahead and sign up on Patreon and go to our, our website and sign up and then you get double the content. Double can, the content. You can double your whole. Double your whole. Do it today and it'll help us to keep doing this long term. Do it today. Don't delay. All right, so let's get into that this uh, last story here. Yeah, so this story, this might be familiar to some of our listeners out there. If you're really into the fringe, the strange, high strangeness stuff, um, this is a story that's been circulating for a while, often referred to as the Gradient and Canyon incident. And for our broad audience, take in the details. There's definitely controversy around the story for a lot of reasons, um, and we'll get into that after the story. But regardless, it makes for, I think, a really good story. And for you guys, Jeremy and John, if you are up for it, and you want to do the dialogue, uh, can you do a combination of four college girls? And you don't have Ooh, to. I can do at least one college girl. <laughs> yeah, you can just do the same voice each time. <laughs> I'll try. Okay. Yeah, we'll create some characters. They'll right. be highly offensive to college girls. Yeah. Sorry they're, in advance. They're, they're going to be valley girls. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, that's the college girls that we know from movies when we were growing up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't meet a lot of college girls when oh, I, was I was in college. Sad. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> All right. Am so, I the blue then? Yeah, John. Um, yeah, you be blue, Jeremy be green. We'll see how much this makes sense. I'll try not to overdo it with the annoying uh, girl yeah. accent that I'll probably end up doing. Okay, ready? Let's go for it. So this is the Gradient and Canyon incident. Chena North had the wheel of her father's 1971 Chevrolet Nova and Carol Abbott was in the passenger seat. Sitting in the back seat were Lisa Rockefort and Bethany Gordon. It was after 10 p.m. when the girls crossed the Utah-Nevada state line, nine miles east of Medina. There it is, the southwest. That stretch of Utah Highway 56 is pretty desolate, all sand and sagebrush, so the girls were pretty happy when they spotted the Union Pacific Railroad crossing at Medina. But just past the rails, Jaina noticed something strange. Two sets of blacktop highway headed off into the desert. One veered sharply to the southeast, the other shooting northeast towards the Canyon County further north. Which one do we take? Wow. <laughs> That's going to be your voice. She's a miniature person. Should I do another one? No, I like this. Yeah. Left. Jaina said. She knew that Cedar City was 46 miles to the northeast, and she guessed that the canyon road would bring them home much sooner. Despite the stories of the canyon, the girls agreed to take the road. As they drove, the dark rock walls inched ever closer to the crumbling edge of a thin ribbon of asphalt. Five miles later, the Chevy entered the Red Rock Canyon. Jaina suddenly noticed that the car's headlights were shining more brightly on the pavement. Looking closer, she let out a gasp. The white center line was gone. Instead of black asphalt, they were driving on white cement. What's going on? Abruptly, one of the girls shrieked. Look out! Impossibly, <laughs> the landscape had completely changed. The highway ended abruptly at a rock cliff face. Jaina hit the brakes and the Chevy screeched to a stop in front of the cliff. Ah! Putting the gear into reverse, Jaina swung the car's nose around. Tense minutes passed. Jaina began to feel uneasy. They were still rolling along, hemmed in by red canyon walls, but they should have been back out into the open desert by this time. The canyon gradually gave way to an open country. The girls gasped. Instead of moonlit desert, they saw grain fields on the right, with strands of ponderosa pine on the left. What was desolate, windswept desert sand was now lush fields of ripening wheat under a clear moonlit sky. In the distance, a large lake shimmered, silvery under a bright moon. Yet the moon should not have been visible that night. Now the girls were on edge. Approaching the light ahead of them, they discovered it came from a large building, some kind of roadhouse or restaurant. The place sat in the middle of a large parking lot, and a blazing neon sign on the roof spelled out a message, but the girls couldn't read it. What should have been letters were brightly lit squiggles and curly cues, a written language unknown to any of them. 
without warning, some very tall men came out of the building. Quite a number poured through the front door, spilling into the parking lot. Later, the girls recalled the people from the roadhouse seemed shocked and frightened at the appearance of the Chevrolet driving into the parking lot. Some of the roadhouse people seemed upset by the girls' arrival. They waved their arms at the girls. Others shouted and pointed at the girls and the Nova. There, there are some guys, Carol said. Bethany let out a giggle. Are they cute? Let's find out. Lisa began rolling down the rear passenger window. As Jaina slowed down, she noticed a good deal of consternation among the men, as if they'd been startled by some unknown animal. As the girls pulled into the lot, Lisa got a good look at the throng of people milling outside the building. Sticking her head out the window, she said, Ha, we're... And she let out a terrified scream. Get, get out of here! The girls screamed, frantically rolling up the window. Jaina stepped down hard on the gas and the Chevy zoomed away from the building as they raced through the forbidding night on a strange road passing the strange lake, intense lights lit up their car from behind. The girls in the back saw the same lights at the same time the driver saw them in her rearview mirror. Jaina glanced in her rearview mirror and what she saw turned her blood to ice. Oh my God, they're coming after us. Go faster, Carol, faster. Four egg-shaped vehicles mounted on tricycle wheels were following them. A single bright white headlight (laughs) shone from the front of each pursuing car. They made a strange whirring or buzzing sound as they rolled along, humming and whining loudly as they closed in on the speeding Nova. The Nova's engine roared as its speed crept towards 80 miles per hour. Still, the crazy egg-shaped cars pursued them. Jana, go faster! They're gaining on us! Ahead, the road led back into a red rock canyon. Jaina's Chevy plunged into it at 80 miles per hour. The Chevy's tires kicked up a billowing cloud of dust. They could no longer see their pursuers. Then the girls were back into the canyon. The Nova's roaring engine reverberated off the sheer rock walls. A rooster tail of dust rose up behind them, and soon none of the girls could spot the weirding egg-shaped things anymore. As they flew out of the canyon and into the desert, the road before them all but disappeared. The car bucked crazily over sagebrush and sand, and they skidded out of control, sliding into a gully and crashing into the bottom. The engine died. Although badly shaken, none of the girls were seriously hurt. The car, however, was undrivable. Three of the tires were flat. Lisa was near hysterical. She kept mumbling, They, they weren't human. They weren't human. The girls stayed with the car until sunrise. Then they walked a couple of miles due south, and an hour later, they flagged down a cruiser of the highway patrol and told their story. The details of the report to the highway patrol had been muddied over the years. As best as can be determined, Troop Victoria, or Vic, Lindquist, took the report, and the details of the accident investigation make fascinating reading. They tend to support the girls' testimony of what transpired that strange night off Highway 56 in the barren desert near Medina. That's That's really bizarre. I think, didn't we cover this in a previous episode? Yeah, I thought so. Just the touch of it, though, right? The egg-shaped, yeah, we just touched it. I thought it, yeah, I thought it deserved a whole whole segment. A whole reading? uh, You know, I found this story, right? We've kind of touched it before, and I wanted to go deeper into it and kind of verify it. So looking and looking, I found- Sounds like a sci-fi movie. Right. Well, that's the thing is like, it's written like a narrative, right? Right. So you're like, okay, where's the original story? So I found uh, a book, and in the book, it starts off promisingly because this is a quick caption from the book. Let me get down to it. Here he says, um, uh, this is how he begins this chapter of his book about this case. It was a story that appeared in a flurry of small newspapers around Utah and Nevada in the year 1972. Something strange happened to four female students of Southern Utah University. The newspaper accounts differed somewhat in the detail of exactly what occurred, but one thing is clear. These four young women experienced something frightening and bizarre. That the incident actually did happen is not in question. In addition to newspaper accounts, police records of the events are still on file. However, some might say the devil's in the details. Sometimes stories get exaggerated as they are passed around. Other times, the facts get distorted. Whatever the case, many believe that the events of May 1972 in the Utah desert are a classic example of an unexpected and frightening encounter with a parallel universe. And then he goes on with the story. But... And it's frustrating because the title of his book is 
uh, I'm not going to give the exact title here because I don't want to like call him out. Right. Um, but the well, title in the show notes, right? Maybe. I feel bad. Why do you feel bad? Well, because what I'm about to say. So his introduction to the story, he basically says like, it's not in question. This is a real event. There are police accounts. There are a flurry of newspaper reports. Right. Well, he doesn't note them in cite his them. book. He doesn't cite them in his book. And I couldn't find anything online about these newspaper articles corroborating this or police reports. I looked for a Vicky Lindquist and uh, couldn't find one. There's a like a Midge Lindquist who's like a Utah. Victoria. Right, Victoria. But I couldn't find that. I couldn't yeah. find this person. So it started to seem like, but it was frustrating because this book gave me hope because it was like true stories of experiences with parallel universe. So you think there'd be at least some sort of due diligence when it comes to like the references. But as far as I can it doesn't, tell- doesn't necessarily mean that just because it's not online. Like when when did this happen? 71. I mean, that's- 72. No, that's not what bothers me. It's What bothers me is in his book, there were no references. Usually in a book- Like at the end of the book, there was no- no well, citation. how would you reference a, a newspaper? I guess you'd say the newspaper. Yeah, you'd list the year, the newspaper, the publication. Yeah, you should always list where stuff came from. Otherwise, right. otherwise you could say anything. Right. But, you know. I mean, I'll double check. I did not see any citations in his book, but I'll double check. Did you call him? I did not call him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy. Still link in the show notes so people can decide for themselves. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. What I was going to say was the first red flag, obviously, is how it is really well written. Like, that's why I wanted to do the whole thing. Well, he obviously must have added some... Uh, color to it to make it more of a story. Well, th this isn't that guy's account. I didn't use his written version of it because this one was so good. And I think this is the original posting. And I think, you know, it gets reposted on different forums. The earliest reference I heard was 2007 when it was supposedly initially posted somewhere. But the earliest account I could find online that's still up anyway was a 2010 reposting. Um, but it is a fascinating story. And it's, it's I yeah, think it's really well written. Definitely so I just wanted Twilight Zone. Well, as far as like parallel worlds and that idea of crossing over into these potential other dimensions and realities, this is definitely one of the stories that I've heard passed around a lot. It's like one of the best right. stories. And it is in part of the country where if it was going to happen, that's where it's going right. to happen. Yeah. Even if it's not totally true. Utah, it Nevada. Feels like it could be true. Right. And uh, the, it is that sure. area definitely inspires that feeling in those kind of ideas, you know. It's true. Yeah, it's it, true. <laughs> if the claims are true, I think what is interesting, according to the, if these police records do exist, and if anybody out there happens to work for the Utah State Highway <laughs> Patrol, and you want to send us, you know, do some research and find the uh, this account, supposedly these are the facts within the police report that do make it a compelling case. If you do believe the story, number one, there were no tracks showing where the Chevy had left the highway in Medina. So it just all of a sudden tracks begin in the highway mm -hmm. as if it came from some place. Uh, number two, tire tracks from the wrecked Chevy extended only 200 yards back into the desert and ended abruptly. So you got tracks from the wrecked car and then nothing. And then you have the highway and then no tracks leading off the highway. So in other words, the car is inexplicably placed without any tracks leading from the highway to where it's like, think of uh, back to the future. When right. was the number three when he appears, the, they're chasing him in the desert, the Indians, and like all of a sudden the tire tracks start in the desert. Imagine that. That's right. kind it's, of the yeah. idea. Um, number three, no one could explain how the Chevy had gotten nearly two miles north of Highway 56 without leaving any physical trace of its passage. So kind of the same thing. And the last thing, although volunteers searched diligently, no trace of the Chevy's front hubcap was ever found. So the idea is it was left in this other universe. And somewhere mm. in another world, officers in egg-shaped cars are examining... A hubcap. Right. <laughs> it's in a museum. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I think it's a fun story. And I think it's one that a lot of people have seen online. So I thought it'd be good. To, it was good to cover, at least go over it. Yeah. Well, we covered it. We did. Now there is, I think, the best story, and we'll save this for the expansion if we even get to it then. One of the best examples of a, what I think a very legit example of a potential blip into a parallel reality or, or it could just be a ghost bar. Uh, but either way, it's it has uh, a bar, like a pub. You can trace it to the person who actually experienced the account. There's physical evidence. That what is it? Tell us about it. What happened? You might have heard this on in a couple other places, but it's a story about someone in uh, northern Wisconsin who's traveling deep into the, for into the forest hills and going through these towns, and they stop for a, a bathroom break, and they get to a saloon where some very strange and kind of terrifying things transpire. Very unexplained, but it's a story where you can actually hear the account from the person in their own words, and there's actually physical evidence to this day that at least the place once did exist. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. But there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, right? Yeah. I just Weird and terrifying <laughs> stuff, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. 
weird wild cool. stuff. Cool. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we can get to that in the expansion after we get in deep into the uh, the Skinwalker lore. Yeah, I'm excited and, for your uh, stuff. Jared. Some of those accounts, we do have an account we're going to be referencing. So the actual report, so we can hear the man's voice Ooh. and uh, how he how he was affected by the incident. And then we have some other encounters from various sources, uh, some from books, some from online. I took time because you know there's so many encounters online. You can go to Reddit. You know, there's a subreddit called No Sleep which is like basically creepypasta stuff. But this one is from like, I think it's the Skinwalker subreddit and we'll link it in the show notes. But I, what I like about it is there's like a couple stories in there. Then the guy was like, oh, you really like my Skinwalker story. Well, if you like him, let me know. I'll, you know, I'll write some more. And then people started attacking him being like, uh, hey, oh, yes. this isn't uh, no sleep subreddit. This is supposed to be f- real stories. Right. If you have encounters, leave them. So they they do their own kind of uh, policing of that form a little Leading bit. Leading out the creepypasta. Right. So you won't get a lot of flowery, too much of that flowery storytelling. It's like more, that last story. <laughs> right. It's more, there's one that's like one of the top rated stories um, from like Neptune 420, I think is the guy that I'll read that will go through his encounter. And that's one of, it's a little more written out, but still has that feeling of authenticity. And I check these user profiles that we're going to be reading from, from the ones that came from Reddit in these places. And uh, I looked at other, other stories, other postings, and none of them were paranormal normal or had anything to do with anything except for like fat cat pictures yeah that always makes it feel more credible right yeah so um but yeah we'll be getting into that in the next part looking forward to it yeah yeah well for all of our regular listeners out there we bid you adieu drive safely merry christmas happy holidays all that good stuff keep your eyes on the road and off of the skinwalkers please right please do until next time be good to each other How are you? I'm good. Better now with this upbeat music we got for our expansion. Expansion. Feel the hole. Get in the hole. Welcome to the expansion, friends. Expansion of the hole. I'm always excited for expansion episodes because I get to have some beer. Yes. Relax. Expand your mind. Crack a beer with us. Pour a cup of tea. Put on an 80s flick. Well, don't do that because then you'll be distracting. After. After. (laughs) After. But we are back with the expansion just for you, special people who support us to help us keep doing the show. We immensely thank you so much for that. Most definitely. If you, is that even the right way to say that? We immensely thank you? I like that. It doesn't sound right. Sounds good. All right. Well, with that bright, upbeat music that we have coming in, leads us perfectly into the feeling of this next topic, Skinwalkers, which <laughs> Not at all. deals with Navajo witchcraft, the potential sacrificing of your loved ones, um, <laughs> curses. Perfect. Demons of the Desert. Yes, the Navajo witches. We will probably come up with a new intro for that at some point. Yeah, we're we're filling it out. Yeah, the expansion thing is new. And for patrons that have been around for a while, they've seen our kind of slow drip content that's been on Patreon, our unicorn episodes. Thanks for sticking around. Yeah, Yeah. our off the cuffs. But for all you new folks out there, this is these expansion episodes are just as full and rich and wonderful as our regular show drops. Yeah.